Hey everybody, welcome to Films and Fermentation, episode 37. This is season two. I don't remember what episode in season two it is. I've already lost track. <laughs> but overall, it is episode 37 total. Tonight we are doing film fan theories. Those things that you see online from all those crazy fanatics who have a lot to say about the movies that they watch. So in this episode, we'll be diving into those fan theories that have made the internet rounds. We'll be looking at some popular theories, some crazy theories, and some that, believe it or not, were actually proven to be true. So thank you for joining us here at the intersection of pickled and fermented. I'm Leo. I'm Kevin. I'm Mike. And thank you for joining us on this journey. Make sure you email us at filmsandfermentation at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Give us some suggestions. Give us some, uh, a drink order, if you like. Uh, visit us on our social media platforms. We're on Instagram and Facebook. And check out our website. We've recently added a new blog section. And there are three blogs on there already. I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> We've also been uh, recording some mini pods in between. If you get a chance, please check out the mini pods. They're very short. They're usually between like five and ten minutes. And it's just our review of uh, certain films or shows that we watched. So in the last week, I dropped a mini pod on Dune 2021. And I dropped a mini pod on Squid Game. And I changed the format for the mini pods a little bit. I added a, a drink recommendation as well to the mini pods. Nice. So for I love it when octopuses play chess. Yes. <laughs> so uh, for Squid Game, I recommend it Soju, which is a Korean whiskey. And it's what one of the characters in the show is always drinking. And for Dune, since it's all about the spice, I recommend it the spiced rum from Secrets Distillery in Ocean City, Maryland which my good friend Kevin bought for me. And I'm drinking a beer tonight that my good friend Mike bought for me. It's nice to get pickled when you don't have to pay for it yourself. <laughs> That's true. So, Mike, why don't you regale us with a little bit of this day in film history? In this day in film history in 1938, a radio broadcast of H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds, narrated by Orson Welles, allegedly caused a mass panic. I love the Orson Welles. I actually have um, a CD uh, that is the entire original uh, radio broadcast. Nice. And I used to I used to play it for my students uh, at Halloween time in school because uh, it was kind of cool just to listen to it a little bit. And you can kind of tell, like, if you were a person around at that time and you didn't hear the disclaimer that says this is just a radio show, how you can really believe it was an actual news program. Okay. Uh, because the show was set up as a musical program and they would cut into the musical program with uh, updating news reports. And then they would go to the field and talk to people and uh, witnesses and all that stuff. So people, yeah, it, it did cause a panic. The FCC contacted Orson Welles during the show and forced him to do another disclaimer halfway through the show. <laughs> uh, what's your other one you got there? Uh, in 2012, Walt Disney company purchased Lucas Lucasfilms LTV and it tries to Star Wars and Indiana Jones fr fr franchises for 4.05 billion dollars and uh, opinions are still out as to whether or not that was a good move <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong but didn't MGM Studios have an Indiana Jones stunt spe spectacular? Where, where, yes, where uh, did that? How did Hollywood, that Hollywood Studios, as it's called now? Um, has oh, it'll always be MGM to me. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm just telling you what it's called now. Um, does have it? They have to call it Hollywood Studios now because they own every studio in Hollywood. <laughs> um, <laughs> They, I'm sure they had deals with Lucas for those, because they also had Star Tours too. So they had, they had dealing oh, with. They them. did, yeah, they did. They had a, they had the Indiana Jones thing during the Great Movie Ride too. Right. Yep. The thing. Yeah, yeah. So they have to call it Hollywood Studios, otherwise they'd have to call it MGM, Warner Brothers, Lucasfilm, Sony, Fox, <laughs> AOL. Yeah. They don't, they don't own Sony yet, right? Time Time Warner. <laughs> Not yet. Not, <laughs> Not yet. Don't get it. Oh no! Wait, they do own Sony. Don't they, they own Sony? I thought they did. Or they at least have, they, they at least have a, yeah they at least have a working agreement with Sony to continue to use like Spider Man and all that. 
Yeah, because that's the meme. How much for Spider-Man? Not yeah. for sale. How much for the company? <laughs> <laughs> that's like uh, it's like Bruce Wayne and Batman Begins. He just buys the restaurant. <laughs> so the third fact we have on the list, I add it myself because it's one of my favorite films. And I was excited when I saw this on Facebook today. On this day in 1988, They Live was released. <laughs> the John Carpenter classic starring Rowdy Roddy Piper, my favorite wrestler of all time. And Keith David has the greatest one-liner of all time. Came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> Which is, uh, you know, when you two text me on our podcast uh, text, that's what comes up. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Chew bubblegum and kick ass. Yeah, I love that. And he has, here's another great line, too, where he sees, uh, he puts the sunglasses on for the first time, and he's staring at a woman, and he sees the alien face behind hers. And she's like, what are you staring at? And he's like, you, you are one ugly bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're okay. You, you're what? okay, but you, you're fucking ugly. <laughs> so what do we got for our fun drink fact? Uh, fun drink fact. It's illegal to get a fish drunk in Ohio. <laughs> what about the other 49 states? Apparently it's fine. <laughs> I don't know how that either. would work. Yeah, how do you get a fish you drunk? You have to have water and then just slowly add alcohol into the water so that it would be, you know, so you don't want it to go too far, not not enough to kill the fish, but just enough to get it, you know, good and toasted. What's sad is somebody had to actually do it for it to become illegal. Someone had to actually do it and get caught. <laughs> like somebody's dropping a goldfish, a goldfish in, a, in a bowl of bourbon just to see what happened. <laughs> Go get your fish drunk in Ohio. So I got some notes from the last show. Our last episode was a couple weeks ago, and we did uh, voices that are uh, uh, impossible to uh, to get wrong, voices that are easily recognizable. We had a lot of voices on that list and, and a lot of bad impressions that night. You know, we had some Arnold Schwarzenegger, some Chris Walken. Uh, we had some Marilyn Monroe. We had a lot of really famous names on the list. But then as I'm thinking about it afterwards, you know, because I always listen to the episode after I post it and, and then regret some things we say and regret some, <laughs> regret some things we forget about afterwards. And I regret to say we forgot a lot of voices on that list oh, that were pretty yeah. recognizable. Uh, Lucille Ball, I think, is, is a pretty recognizable voice. Steve Martin is pretty recognizable. Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder, Bill Murray, Keanu Reeves. Marlon Brando, Whoa. pretty recognizable. I can't believe we forgot Marlon Brando. And in the worst sin of them all, we fucking forgot Al Pacino. How do you forget Al fucking Pacino on a list of voices that are unrecognizable? I was watching The Godfather. And I, was, I was watching The Godfather, and I was like, wait, did we put Pacino on the list? And I went back and looked at the list and listened to the show, and I was like, holy shit, we forgot Pacino. How do we do that? One that right. stands out to me is Bill Murray because Bill Murray's got a very distinct sound, mm -hmm. and I always associated him with, um, even though he didn't originally do Garfield because, or, or at least the Garfield from the animated show, mm -hmm. he sounded like you know he had that same kind of sound to him. Mm -hmm. And now I'm realizing, and now I'm finding out that Chris Pratt is now going to do the voice of Garfield in the next Garfield movie. Really, that's mm -hmm. a weird one. Here's a here's a here's a tidbit of trivia for you. So Bill Murray did the voice of Garfield in the Garfield movie. The mm. Garfield cartoon was voiced by a guy named Lorenzo Music. Lorenzo Music also voiced the character of Venkman in the Ghostbusters cartoon series. Right, <laughs> which was played by Bill Murray, which, which was the Bill Murray character. Yeah. <laughs> so they have very similar voices. Speaking of Chris Pratt, I'm going to jump ahead then to one of my other things I have on here. There's a new Mario Brothers movie in production. A new Super Mario Brothers film. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's animated or live action um, because it's only in like pre-production right now. They haven't started filming it yet. But from what I was looking at online with this, um, the new Mario Brothers movie, if it'll ever come out, here it is. 
Untitled Illumination Entertainment Project. Plumber named Mario travels through an underground labyrinth with his brother Luigi trying to save a captured princess. Fil feature film adaptation of the popular video game. Oh, it is an animated film. Okay. But the, the voice of Mario, Chris Pratt. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Luigi is Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is Princess Peach. Jack Black is the voice of Bowser. <laughs> Seth Rogen is playing Donkey Kong. <laughs> I don't know where he comes in oh, in through Mario Brothers games. Um, Sounds like uh, a uh, Mario because, Kart movie. Because Donkey Kong was the original um, game that Mario really? showed up in. And uh, Italian comedian Sebastian Maniscalco will be playing Spike. <laughs> is this going to uh, be done by Annabelle Jankel and Rocky Morton? Yeah, right. That would that would make it even better. Annabelle Jankel, Jank, uh, they were a married couple who directed the first Mario Brothers film, mm -hmm. which has a 4.1 on IMDb, which uh, Bob Hoskins uh, was drunk during the entire production and regrets ever filming it. <laughs> what I think about it. Yeah, it is a bad film. I just watched it. I just listened recently. Um, there's another podcast I listen to called The Flop House, and they always they do they they watch a bad movie and then they talk about it on the show. And they did Super Mario Brothers recently, but they actually had one of the writers on the show to talk about it, and it was hilarious because he was basically like, I was a writer, but I was one of like you know thirty writers. Like they just kept bringing in new writers and new writers and changing things, changing things on set. The directors had no idea what the video game was. <laughs> that Lord. So what you get is this like weird neo-noir. <laughs> Where everybody devolves into dinosaurs. Devolves into dinosaurs and the Goombas. I didn't are... think dinosaurs were that big of a thing in it. <laughs> I remember turtles. Yoshi. That's the only dinosaur I remember from the game was Yoshi. Yeah. <laughs> and Yoshi's like a, a velociraptor or something in that movie. Mm. All right, on to some uh, happier news. Hulu has put into pre-production Mel Brooks's History of the World Part Two as a series, and I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be awesome. Mel Brooks is part of the uh, uh, production Great. crew. Uh, he's one of he's one of the writers. They have a bunch of comedians on staff writing it. Uh, I'm just hoping that they can do, you know, the same kind of History of the World that they did before and not have to like water it down because of uh you know well, <laughs> offending two anybody two things they gotta water it down a little bit because they don't want to offend anybody and number two who's owned by disney yeah well that's why they put shows like that on hulu because it's like the it's the it's the disney adjacent <laughs> it's disney after dark disney Touchstone. Yeah, like if they ever do another Daredevil or Punisher series, it'll probably be on, on Hulu. All right. Um, I got a, a, a show recommendation for you, which we actually, we talked about this before. Uh, Netflix series, or Netflix show, Attack of the Movie Clichés. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's hosted by Rob Lowe. It's only an hour long, um, but they, they, they attack just about every cliche you can think of. And it's pretty hilarious because they're in every movie. <laughs> and there's the the superhero pose. There's the uh, the Wilhelm scream. Um, there's the hero that never runs out of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really cool show, so I recommend checking it out. And then my last thing is we have some major releases coming uh, out now. We have Venom Two, which I think was just released. Venom. Yep. Uh, what is it called? The. Uh... Uh... Enter Carnage or something like that. Enter Carnage or Rise of Carnage or something. Yeah. The Electric Boogaloo. Let there be Carnage. Here, let, let there, there be, be Carnage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Venom 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> uh, Dune 2021 just came out. I watched it. Mm -hmm. It was excellent. I really enjoyed it. Now, I'm, I'm a major Dune fan, so I was probably not going to be disappointed anyway. Um, but I thought it did a good job of uh, hitting all like the major points. And saving things for the second part that's going to come out in 2020. Which was like the day after it came out, they signed mm -hmm. it. They were like, yep, yeah. okay. Yeah, we definitely, they have, and I think it, it's cool splitting it because it's a book you can do better justice to, splitting it in half. Now, I'm surprised though that they didn't 
film them both and then just figured they'll release the second, you know, like they did with most of like, the other movies. Well, they did that with Lord of the Rings. They filmed all three at the same time. Yeah. But I think they kind of like felt like it was a guarantee that Lord of the Rings was going to do well. And Dune wasn't much of a guarantee when you figure how much of a bomb the David Lynch version was. True. And that it's a book that's been notoriously hard to film. But I, I think they did a good job. And then the other big release, which uh, actually came out, uh, I think comes out at midnight tonight, is The Eternals. I don't know what to yeah. think about this. <laughs> I don't know much about them, so I'm going to reserve my, um, you know, opinion until I, I, I see it. I think. I think that's why it's getting mixed reviews, because not a lot of people do know a lot about them. I, mean, and... I, know, I know they, like, gender swap some characters and change the races of some characters, but it's not a franchise that I'm familiar with about anyway to be up in arms about it. And I think it, it looks like the kind of franchise where something like that would actually work. I would think it was. Didn't Marvel and, have another like family of super, uh, super beings or something that they tried bringing out either as a television series or something? Oh, it was uh, um, the Inhumans. The Inhumans. The Inhumans. Okay. It, was a, it was like a spinoff of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Yeah. It, it bombed hard. Yeah. Okay. Bomb, it bombed so it bombs, a... bombs so hard that the last couple seasons of Agents of Shield aren't considered canon. <laughs> um, it bombed so hard because what they did was they took the uh, inhuman Medusa instead of having her living hair, they shaved her head off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> major major power she has. They shaved it off, like in the first episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, mm. it's also hard to sell when your your main character is mute. <laughs> yeah. Can uh can we I mention some cool of the trailers? character in the comic books? <laughs> what were we saying, Kev? Can we mention some of the trailers that uh dropped most recently? Sure. One in particular, the book of Boba Fett. Oh, I just saw that yesterday. Oh my that, god. That looks really good. <laughs> yes. It does. So I made a joke earlier about how like some people are still like kind of up in arms about whether or not Disney buying Lucas was a good move or not. I think when it comes when it comes to the movies, uh, which are run by Kathleen Kennedy, hit or miss. But the TV series, which have all been run by John Favreau and and Dave Filoni, have been total hits. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So you know, I, I mean, The Mandalorian was amazing. So I'm I'm only expecting good things out of Boba Fett. Yes. And and I think and it's gonna it's a carryover into season three of The Mandalorian. They should make like a crossover, the Macho Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, yeah. not, the, not the Iron oh, Mandalorian. Yeah. This is the way. <laughs> yeah, here he is. And uh, the Batman uh, trailer that launched. Macho Mandalorian. <laughs> Macho Mandalorian. But I, I'm I'm, par uh, I'm partial to Iron Mandalorian. I like that one too. <laughs> <laughs> the Batman trailer, that was the, the final trailer just released. That looks yeah. It already looked amazing. Yeah. That that final chapter, it's got me like I, I just looked to see the release date and it's not till March. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Because <laughs> it looks really badass. And I just saw the trailer for um oh shit. What did I say, Mike, earlier? I said I just saw the trailer. Oh, Mor Morbius. Morbius, yeah. It's the Morbius, other... yes. That was the other one I wanted to mention. <laughs> that looks like a pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> That one looks like a CGI fest. Yeah. And I'm not sold on Jarrett Leto in superhero movies. He's already dropped the ball with the Joker. <sighs> yes, he has. Yes, <laughs> he has. He hasn't come through. No, those are good points. Stick to doing serious films. Yeah. And I, I think I can mention this. It's not an official movie. It was just a screen test. Not sure if you guys saw it. Uh, the Robin it Williams thing? The Robin Williams one. I, I didn't bet. mention it. Bradley? Yeah. It's not a screen test for an actual movie. Mm -hmm. So I looked into it. It's a comedian who does a Robin Williams impression, um, like wrote and produced that segment and was trying to use it as a way of selling the idea of a biography to studios in Hollywood. Um, it was amazing. It's really, really good. But Robin Williams' daughter came out and said something about how there was no biography in the works at this time. And it was just that this comedian was trying to drum up interest in it with the show, which I'd be interested to see. It looked really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, Mike, he, I'll send you the link. A, it's really cool. Okay. He's not a spot on like 
you know, like do not a spot on like doppelganger, I guess, right? But yes. the mannerisms, mm-hmm. the the voice and the facial expressions are all just like dead on. It's not like a uh, it's not like an impression that like a stand up comedian would do, where it's like a little like over the top. Yeah, it's like he's not perfect in his impression, but it's good enough to be pretty like like eerie in a way. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what it was what it was under on uh, YouTube, but let's see if I can find it. Oh, I think it they may. Oh, did you find it? Okay. I think I found it. Oh, yeah, here it is. Jamie Costa's Robin Williams impersonation. Mm-hmm. Leaves fans wanting this film. So I'll send that to you, Mike. All right. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, 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 I would love, I mean, I love Robin Williams, so I would love to see mm-hmm. a, a biography yeah. about his life. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that they would end up giving it to somebody with a better, with a bigger name. Probably. Unfortunately. Could hurt it. Because you know? somebody would probably do a worse job, but he's a bigger name, so he gets mm-hmm. it. And then that person <laughs> would end up doing like a, like a bad impression. Right. They probably give it to like Al Pacino. <laughs> Good morning, <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> she had a great ass. <laughs> oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> Seize the day, boys. <laughs> Coffee, fucking DM. I was going to make a joke about Al Pacino, like all his great roles, you know, The Godfather, Serpico, when he does that Dunkin' Donuts rap and Adam Sandler's Jack and Jill. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's uh, talk about some drinks, gentlemen. Kevin, what are you drinking this evening? Well, up until about a minute ago, it was a uh, gin and tonic. We took so long um, to get through the opening segment. Like, <laughs> we have to get refills before we start the main segment. Uh, it was about a gin and tonic, and um, it was good. Uh, I had some tonic water, not the best, but uh, we I had fresh lime, squeezed a half of a fresh lime in it. Uh, but right now, I'm raiding my father's liquor cabinet. <laughs> what? Yes, bullet bourbon is really good. I can smell it from here. Ooh. That warmed me up. Yeah, it gave me chills. <laughs> it warmed me up. So I am going right. to go second tonight, which I think is a first for this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am drinking an Oktoberfest that is 6.9% alcohol by volume from Antietam Brewery in Maryland. And the reason I am drinking this is because, A, it's the fall still. B, I love a good Oktoberfest. And C, it was given to me by my good friend Michael, who recently took a brewery tour of Maryland, and he's going to tell us about it right now. Well, more than just a brewery tour. It was a drinking <laughs> tour. Yeah. <laughs> we went there to see the battlefield, because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But while we were there, we went to Antietam Creek Vineyards. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, nice winery right at, on the, uh, at the battlefield. Um, their wines are a little less oaky than some wines. So if you don't like that oaky taste, mm. good wines there. Then we went down to um, a place called uh, Pathfinder's Farm, where we had the red corn moonshine. <laughs> Leo knows all about that. Yes, I do. <laughs> I had to, I had to push my eye back into my head afterwards. It, it, that's a small little distillery. I mean, they have like four moonshines, mm-hmm. and when I say they make an apple pie moonshine, there's slices of apple throughout the whole jar. Um, but it's a nice little place. I like the moonshine. Leo thought it was a little rough. Uh, a little bit. Um, a little bit. Uh, after that we went to um, a place called Kushawa uh, Brewing Company Um, I would not give that place high marks (laughs) Pilsner was dark Mm. and hoppy yes 
<laughs> Kevin, that's exactly. I did not finish the, all the beers for my for my taster there because it's like it's all too hoppy, and most of them were just too dark. Thank God it was only a, was it a flight or was it just a taster? It, it was a it was a flight. Okay, I got through two of the five. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah, and then um, actually, right down the street from it was another brewery. Um, the next building over called Homemade Brewing Company. Unfortunately, they didn't have a um, flights to buy there, um, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to sit there and buy a lot of beers because Adrian doesn't drink beer. But I liked the setup because it, you, the place that we could go sit down have beers, and they had a pizza shop right <laughs> in there. With it. Kind of cool. Um, then we went to. Um, What's the place called? Stone House Urban Winery. That was some good wine. I mean, um, their sweet wines were really good. A lot of fruity wines, really nice. Um, we had some of the uh, Blackberry Malot, Leo, the other mm. night. That was good. Uh, my wife bought three or four bottles, including a uh, ice Riesling. And then... Uh, we went to Antietam Brewing Company, which is not actually in Antietam. It's in uh, Hagerstown, which is what I'm drinking tonight. Um, the long you have, longer. Tell me as I'm drinking a glass full of lies. <laughs> <laughs> I am not drinking a glass full of lies. The long neck lager, really smooth. Uh, I like it. I also have the uh, golden, the General's Golden Ale. I thought it was really nice. You have the Oktoberfest. So that's three good beers right there. <laughs> and there's a couple other ones I liked. Um, I just don't remember the names off the head, off the top of my head. Uh, the last place we went to was Minda Schmidt's Distillery. Um, they make whiskey. They're a brand new distillery. Oh, you were telling and me about that. Yeah, yeah. It tasted like a brand new distillery. <laughs> the guy was saying, after you finish this barrel, we'll go to our our oldest barrel of six months old <laughs> i'm like whiskey should not be drank that early so you should not be should not be advertised in months yes not, <laughs> should not be in months um, this, is, this is our oldest whiskey we made it seven days ago <laughs> i mean it's got, it's, it's got potential mm-hmm. but it, it tastes like yeah i said like whiskey. if <laughs> if they survive past their initial year, you go back there in like two or three years, that, that whiskey uh, probably tastes a lot better. Probably. Yep. It'll be done in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I would oh. like to call out our fans. Uh, <laughs> our three of them. Our listeners. Our I listeners. My dad, your dad. <laughs> I've been searching... Uh, high and low in every acme I could find were the Ivan's spiced wafer um, ale. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, they collaborated with Acme, so it's only available in Acme. It's a spiced wafer ale with hints of chocolate and caramel malts. Uh, I cannot find it. I would love to try it before the fall ends. Uh, it's produced by Concha Hawken Brewing Company. Uh, but if anybody has an eye on this or knows a knows a person who knows a person who knows a guy, we'd love to try some. So, yes, we would. Maybe we should just take a ride out to Conshohocken. Where's that at? Conshohocken. <laughs> it's right by the curb off of seventy six. <laughs> well, everybody gets backed up at yeah. Conshohocken. <laughs> Every day you listen to traffic in the morning, there's always a jam at the Conchahawken Curve. <laughs> That's because they're getting that beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'd like to try it. Too. My wife actually wants to try it, and she's not a beer person, so I'd love to try yeah. to get my hands on it. Mike, I've officially killed this crowler you gave me. Oh, well, and we, we, haven't, think... we, we haven't even got to the main segment yet. <laughs> That's why I said we got to break before the main segment. segment I'm out of beer, too. <clears throat> I'm good. Good. <laughs> you got bourbon. So our main segment this evening is all about fan theories. 
So we broke it down into three categories. We have uh, interesting fan theories. These are ones that have a slight possibility of being true or at least make some semblance of sense. We have the out there fan theories, which are the ones that are just too unbelievable to like think could actually possibly be true. And then we have a very short list of ones that were proven true, or at least uh, whoever created this uh, franchise or whatever have, have confirmed it to be true. And then I got a little bonus theory at the end about the Pixar films that I threw in there. <laughs> we are back for our main segment. Mike made us take a break so he can beer himself. Hey, it is film <laughs> and fermentation. <laughs> Uh, so our main segment, as I said, is all about fan theories. So we're going to get first into the list of interesting fan theories, ones that possibly could be true or at least make a little bit of sense. And uh, the first one comes to us, Carrie, uh, Kevin, this is your, your one, I think, The Rock one. Yeah. So the, the movie The Rock, starring Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage and Ed Harris, uh, John Patrick Mason, which is the character that... Um, Sean Connery plays in the film. The fan theory is, is that he is a disavowed 007, which would mean that The Rock is part of the James Bond universe. Well, so, I could go with a double O agent, but uh, I will disprove uh, some 007 stuff later. Yeah, but it's Sean Connery, so it could be the first 007. Remember, he's Sean Connery. He doesn't shed the accent. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> We'll move once we move to B. Kev, you can't. You brought this one up. Do you want to elaborate on it a little bit? Uh, so it, uh, you know, you go through YouTube and every nut job that has a, uh, a camera and a microphone, uh, spouted off about not everyone. No, this one, the, the guy had a lot of good evidence, and I'd seen The Rock only a handful of times, and I am not as well versed in 007, so I can admit to two of these things my um, lack of knowledge could be playing into my ignorance and just believing that this is um, what it is. But um, the way it's broken down is that the character that Sean Connery plays um, is a double O agent who had to kind of sacrifice his freedom and become incarcerated in order to keep the secrets of um the organization uh but he is he is the 007 agent from the previous movies but never really acknowledge acknowledges it because that would kind of feed into or, or uh that would acknowledge what he's been trying to hide for so long so for those of you listening out there uh you can see how uh insane some of these theories are just from that first one Mm-hmm. Like you got to you got to go out on and and like reach for some of these stories that you hear for these theories. Again, I can buy the double O agent about mm-hmm. just not a James Bond. <laughs> which should brings us to our second one, which is the one that Mike has been chomping at the bit to to uh, to disprove, and that is a James Bond and the call sign 007 are both code names for multiple agents, meaning that all of the actors who have played James Bond are not the same person, but multiple people using the same code name. Okay. Are you ready? For Go this for movement? it. In the let's see, sixth film on our Majesty's Secret Service, uh, what was it? George... George La- Lazenby. Yeah, the, Lazenby. One in, the one in Dunbond. Yes. Uh, gets married, and his wife gets killed mm. um, by Blofeld, which shows up in several of the other movies throughout the series. As a main bad guy, he's the guy with the white cat. He's uh, 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 Spectre. He's Spectre, yeah. yeah. But he's played by like five different Dr. characters. Evil. <laughs> he's like, he's played by five different actors, too. Um, so maybe Blofeld's a code name. But here's where we disprove it. In okay. the pre credit sequel of For Her Eyes Only, which is Roger Moore's fifth film, he is at Tracy Bond's grave. If he mm. was not that same, the person that married her, why would he be there mm. with Blofeld and that scene? Because maybe just, no... maybe they're just writing it off because George Lazenby sucked. Well, that could, <laughs> but the problem with this guy's last name was Laserbeam. 
I would taser, taser. <laughs> I would go with that if the next movie after um, Our Imagine Secret Service was a Roger Moore film, but it wasn't. They brought back Sean Connery. Mm. One more episode, one more movie. Then well, here I have two theories for either proving it or disproving it. So for the disprove, it's that every one of these guys likes a vodka martini shaken, not stirred. There can't be that many different people out there who would drink a martini that way. And they all like one of the PPKs. Because it should be gin and vermouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> and my theory for proving for, for, for proving that the theory is correct is that what if James Bond is just a time lord? Well, that's, that's <laughs> if he's a time lord, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> that means it's still the oh, same guy with a different face. And again, I'm going to have to plead ignorance, but is it possible that when James Bond married this woman, she also had to take on a moniker, a, a code name, if you will? Yeah, you like know? she went with the name Tracy Bond. Yeah, Tracy Bond, yeah. She I imagine from- it's hard to get a mortgage when you have to use a secret agent's name. <laughs> They're secret agents. They don't need to apply for regular yeah. mortgages. They're no mortal humans. Yeah, like how does a secret agent get married? <laughs> Especially if his name is not real. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be frowned upon by the organization. Uh, our third one here we have is Frozen, Tangled, Tarzan, and The Little Mermaid all take place in the same universe. Yeah, I've heard a lot about this. This one has to go with, well, it has to do with the fact that in The Little Mermaid, which is the first of these films, uh, she swims in and out of a, a ship that's sunk on the bottom, and this is where she gets a lot of the the human objects that she's so fascinated with. Gadgets and gizmos are plenty. Yes, like like the doofle hopper or whatever the fuck the fork is she puts in her hair. Dingle hopper. Dingle, Dingle hopper. hopper. There you go. Uh, doofle hopper is some guy from Germany. <laughs> so he made your beer. Yeah, he made my beer. So there's uh, so the ship has like a uh, uh, you know has like one of the women the bust on the front of the ship of like a woman and when you see the ship when you see the ship in frozen uh that anna and elsa's parents disappear on the ship has a very similar bust on the front and tarzan's parents were drowned on a ship that sank that had a very similar thing so the theory is that tarzan is anna and elsa's little brother yes I've heard that one. Uh, I don't know where Tangled comes into this, though. I don't. I don't Tangled know. was. Oh, oh, ahead. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I uh, know. Uh, Rapunzel and and um, the other the dude, whatever the fuck his name is, are Dirk like Diggler. Dirk Diggler. They're in the they're in the parade scene, like in the background or something, right? When Anna and Elsa, yeah, are like, Eugene, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eugene, yeah, Eugene, yeah, Eugene. Was it like Dirk? Whatever. Like, like Ryder. Ryder was the name he went by or something. Yeah, it's like Ryder. Yeah. Dirk Ryder. <laughs> Dirk Ryder. Dirk Diggler. <laughs> Chess Rockwell. <laughs> well, that's going to be something. I mean, you're going to talk about the Pixar movies later. I think yeah. Disney does have a subtle way of connecting things without mm-hmm. saying it's connected. Yeah, so. it keeps people talking about it. Uh, I like the next one because it's a Star Wars one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boba Fett is the one who killed Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, which is why Darth Vader tells him no disintegrations in Empire Strikes Back. The problem with that is their skeletal remains were there. Yeah, and and so if they disintegrate them, they wouldn't be anything there. <laughs> and and like, why not have Boba Fett there with the stormtroopers if that's the case? But in the re- uh, the special edition, whatever you want to call them, Bo- Boba Fett makes his appearance early mm-hmm. rather than you know as a as a hut uh, uh, bounty hunter. Bounty hunter. Yeah. yeah, but that's the thing. Rather like he, than, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't working for Darth Vader in in, in a new. No, home. he wasn't. Oh. So I mean, I think I think we could. As cool as that would be, I think we could shoot that one down. Yeah. I think this will be addressed in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. That'd be awesome. He wasn't if he just randomly disintegrates somebody. He already did it. They already did it in the in Mandalorian when he shoots the Jawas with his with his pole thing. They like disintegrate. <laughs> Nothing left but the uh... but the but the robes. The robes. Uh, this one's a cool one. Um, J.K. Rowling herself disavowed this one, so this one's already been proven to not be true. Although I think it would have made more sense if you said it was true. 
Yeah. Uh, that in the Harry Potter universe, the Dursleys were mean to Harry because he was a Horcrux, and Horcruxes have negative effects on people. And and that would explain why yes. they shoved him under the stairs and <laughs> were just generally mean to him and everything. Yeah, that makes sense. But J.K. Know. Rowling shot it down. She just wanted the Dursleys just to be shitty people. <laughs> you know. uh, the next one's a good one. Pulp Fiction. The briefcase uh, that uh, John Travolta and Samuel Jackson are sent to retrieve contains the soul of their boss, Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> so in the scene, like they, they find it. Uh, it's a good one. They find a briefcase. They open it up. You never see what's inside it, but when Vince Vega, John Travolta's character, opens it up, it's glowing like a gold glow, like like a gold light just gold shining light on shining him. on him. And Sam Jackson is like, you know, are, 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 are we good? And he's like, yeah, we fucking good, you know. And he closes the lid, and you never know what's in there. And then later on, when the restaurant's getting robbed, and Tim Roth asks to see what's inside the briefcase, he opens it up, and he's like, is that what I think it is? And then, like, that's another theory. Like, maybe it's the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, he's looking and at the this other, and, like, you know, go ahead. And the other link to it is the band aid that goes yeah. along the back of the neck. Later on, you see Marcellus Wallace, the back of his head, he has a band aid on the back of his neck. And supposedly, it's supposed to be covering up the hole where his soul was sucked out or something. Mm-hmm. Now, Quinn Tarantino said that the band aid was there because he cut himself shaving cut himself shaving his head and Tarantino said just leave it in because he just thought it was a cool little detail mm-hmm. and he himself has said that they never wrote in the script what was in the briefcase in the script it just they, says um, it says like uh, you know open the briefcase bright light shines it was a light bulb inside the briefcase so when he opened it up the light bulb turned on so that's what made the glow but he didn't you know he said he likes the fact that fans are speculating on what's in there and he thinks the soul is like a really cool thing that he did, himself didn't think of and he's like i wish i had thought of that myself um <laughs> it's so it's, it's it's a mcguffin yeah so it's been it's yeah, been mcmuffin yeah. a mcguffin yes <laughs> it's a whole crux it's a whole crux yeah it's <laughs> the term is mcguffin <laughs> that's what i said <laughs> you said mcmuffin <laughs> kevin's hungry yes the mcmuffin <laughs> is a breakfast sandwich from mcdonald's <laughs> And MacGuffin is a uh, item in movies that are just used to move the plot along. <laughs> His soul is in the McMuffin. His soul is, yes. It's, 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 it's the Marcellus Wallace McDonald's McMuffin. <laughs> Here's the funny thing, guys. Sausage, egg, cheese, and my soul. Well, shit, you brought it to me to say. Here's the funny thing. Damn, the this is good. <laughs> These are the ones we think are plausible. This burger is good. Yeah. Shake? <laughs> this is a tasty McMuffin. May I have a drink of this shake to wash this McMuffin down? <laughs> Say what again? Say what again, motherfucker? Yeah, I'm coming there. Say what a, one more goddamn time. What? What? <laughs> Does my cellar McMuffin with cheese. <laughs> Does McSella Wallace look like a bitch? What? <laughs> Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. Which is <laughs> actually true. And Mike is right. Like these are these are the interesting theories, and these are just out there as the out there ones are. No, Kevin, the McRo- the, the the Royale with cheese is an actual true statement. Yeah, Mike's pretty you know, good. <laughs> He's like, I don't have they a metric metric system over there. I don't know what the fuck a quarter pounder is. <laughs> So my next one here is Stan Lee was the watcher in the MCU, which explains all of his cameo appearances. As fun as that one is, that was already proven to be untrue. Both in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, where he's talking to the Watchers, and in the What If series, where the Watcher is a major character. Yes. And looks and sounds a lot like Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> uh, the last one we have on our interesting theories one I love this one I, I, I wish this one is true but it hasn't been proven or debunked yet but it's a really cool one Owen Grady which is the character that Chris Pratt plays in Jurassic World is the kid that makes fun of the raptor at the beginning of Jurassic Park 
The one that Sam Neill threatens with the raptor nail. <laughs> the one in front of you is the other two that come at you from the yeah. side. <laughs> and I would say, like, that would be cool if that was, like, true, because it's like, oh, he was so affected by that moment where Sam Neill threatened to slice him open with a raptor nail. Right. <laughs> that it made him want to intestines. Yeah, it made him want made him want to be a paleontologist who trained uh, raptors one day. That kid was actually. I mean, he did grow up and continued to act, and it would have been awesome to have him in it. You know, <laughs> or, or at least get him into a role somewhere along the lines. Because uh, uh, in the uh, he should have been a security the- guard that gets eaten outside the Indomus's stage. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you don't respect them. <laughs> His name is Wit Het Hertford. <laughs> oh, Not to be confused with Finn Wolfhard. That's right. So I drank this. I'm almost done this entire 6.9% uh, percent volume alcohol. I'm slurring. Yeah, he's already in bad shape, guys. <laughs> we still got two more lists to get through. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's get to it. <laughs> The next is our totally out there theories, and this this is the really fun one. Uh, first off, starting with a couple uh, quick Star Wars ones, Jar Jar Binks is the Sith Lord. <laughs> well, we should treat him like one and take him out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah look, they're trying to make something some a, 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 a character that should have been like just taken off the storyboard from the very beginning, trying to give him some fraction of a piece of like necessity for or this in, series because he make was him, a waste make him space. interesting in some way make yeah him, what, make him less hated he was a multi-million dollar mistake because I think of how much they spent on all the uh cgi for him the theory what comes... you talking about <laughs> how rude uh the theory comes from the fact that he's the reason that the emperor gets to clone army in the second film yes because he he gives emergency power to palpatine just because he's stupid doesn't make him a Sith Lord. <laughs> no, it means he, Maybe it's smart. It's strategic because he's smart. He's playing Ooh. the dumb guy. Everybody was waiting for Snoke to like pull his face off and Jar Jar Binks was underneath it. <laughs> like some really, really disappointing Scooby-Doo reveal. <laughs> I would have got away with it if it wasn't for your meddling kids. <laughs> your meddling kids. Rude. And that leads to Snoke is Darth Plagueis the Wise. Which gets proven wrong. Which gets proven wrong in the in the uh, Rise of Skywalker retcon where he's just a bunch of clones. Yeah. <laughs> that were under control of Palpatine. Which is, I think, where they're going with the Mandalorian. That Baby Yoda was where they were getting the uh, the blood from for the Darth, uh, for the uh, Snoke clones. That's where they wanted to get it from, yeah. The Snoke clones, not the Snoke clo- clones. Yeah, I think that's the way they went snowcones. And that's how they added into the uh, Bad Batch when they took the uh, the one cloner. Mm. They took yes. her at the end. Forgot about yeah. that. Forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. good point. Yeah, I didn't know anything about that because I still haven't watched any of the cartoons. No, they're, they're, trying to try that. They're, they're, trying to, they're trying to fix all this mess with everything else. <laughs> fix the plot holes. Fix the plot holes. They are. So I, start, I started reading the one book you got me, Mike, the first yeah. one, and I got through the first chapter so far, and they they spend a whole chapter building up this character and how great she is, and, and then fuck, fucking kill her at the end of the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> it's Game of Thrones all over again. I hate when they do shit. Star Wars version. <laughs> Star Wars Game of Thrones, they get sucked out into space. Uh, the events of Harry Potter were just the dreams of a boy trapped under the stairs. Not only is that depressing, that would have destroyed the entire franchise. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, that I makes sense. <laughs> that's like a that's like a, a cheap out when you have the character wake up and it was all a dream. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that that's talk about movie cliches. That's nice. been around for a, forever. <laughs> and that's how they explain the death of so many characters in so many different TV shows. Uh, so speaking of that, Ferris Bueller isn't real. He's a figment of Cameron's subconscious. That's a tough sell. That it's a tough, tough sell. sell. I mean, it's interesting to think like, oh, it's just he's Cameron's id, and it's what makes Cameron do all the things he does. 
Yeah, but what and about then, Ferris's girlfriend? Yeah, it's like, how do you explain Salone unless Salone was really Cameron's girlfriend the whole time? Right. They are, they are holding hands in the scene. Um, but it doesn't explain that, that Ferris is the one narrating the entire story. Right. It's unless, from his perspective. Unless it's a fight club thing. Oh. Ferris Bueller is Cameron's Tyler Durden. <laughs> then what, what are the kids be going? Bueller. 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 Yeah, there's more yeah, holes. No, there's, there's, more, there's more holes in this theory. Yeah. There's yeah, more, his, more, his more holes in this theory than Swiss cheese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole sister thing and the parents. Mm. and yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but yeah, it's definitely not. It's definitely no, no. It's it's it definitely a, doesn't work. Yeah, Willy Wonka. So we're talking about the Gene Wilder one. Was a cannibal. How did they come up with this one? Yeah, that, you that, never you never see the kids again afterwards, and uh, you know he plumps them up and covers them in chocolate. And... <laughs> That's a I would say, I would say the Oompa Loompas were maybe maybe Oompa Loompas were cannibal. <laughs> I had always I had always made a joke about it being that Willy Wonka whacked all the kids because you never see them again. And then they changed that in the uh, in the Johnny Depp one where they you see the kids again at the end of the movie. Yeah. All like stretched out of shape and shit. Uh, Willy Wonka's a cannibal. He's not a cannibal, he's a chicken killer. <laughs> if you watch that scene real closely where they're on the boat. Yeah. He's a little bit of a psychopath, maybe a little bit of a sociopath as well. But definitely not a cannibal. A little bit. Does he commit infanticide in the film? Hmm, it's up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that's, another, that's another episode. Another episode. Was Willy Wonka a, a child murderer? Uh, Sandy died at the beginning of the movie Grease. Yes. She drowned. She drowned in the ocean. So like every, everything after that is just like, you know. That's why the car flies off at the end. Yeah, it's some post. That's right. It's it's like some you know heaven created dream or something like that. Yeah, she goes from a nice heavenly girl to you know uh, leather and uh, <laughs> leather clad whore. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. Maybe the movie takes place in purgatory mm. and the car takes her into heaven, mm. dressed like mm. someone from say you know from hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, St. Peter needs a little eye candy. Uh, so I'll throw, I'll throw the wrench in this one. It doesn't explain the subplot with the, with the, the one girl, Rizzo? Rizzo, thinking she's pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, you know, the T-Birds and the Pink Ladies just kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. And if it's her dream, why would she have a dream about Frenchie having a dream about the angel coming down and singing to her? <laughs> True That's- enough. That's kind of a really specific tangent to have in your dream. <laughs> Beauty school, school dropout. <laughs> no graduation day for you. Um, this one's really bizarre. And I've never heard of this one. I think, Kev, I think you put this on here. i never heard of this one until now. No. Clean trains and automobiles. Dell actually killed his wife. She's in the case. What's in the huge... What's in the box? What's, What's in the, the box? box? <laughs> this one is fucking bizarre. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can definitely disprove this one because he does open the box at one point so he can sell a bunch of the shower curtain rings to people so yeah. they can make money to get home. He sells the shower and curtain rings as earrings. <laughs> He does. <laughs> so they can make money to get home. But I don't I wonder I want to meet the person who came up with that fucking theory. How much were they smoking? His wife was in the case. So he basically made Steve Martin help him carry his wife's dead body around the whole movie. <laughs> he, Steve Martin tripped over the dead body. <laughs> uh, well, no, what happened is they, they eventually dropped the box, opened it up, and there was a giant hair dryer in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't live without, without it. it. And he goes, it's lighter now, isn't it? Oh yeah, I can carry six or seven of these now. <laughs> what you said three days ago? Carrying around the case again. <laughs> Shrek, Donkey is actually one of the Pleasure Island kids from Pinocchio. I think this one might hold water. That one makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, you know, know, the donkeys were children at one point. They could talk. 
They were um, a yeah, bit of except, a pain in the ass. And except, well, at least Disney's version, the donkeys turned tall to donkey and couldn't talk after a while. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, this isn't Disney. This is DreamWorks. So, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it does. It, it's it's a theory. I think that at least it's plausible. Holds up. It's plausible. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think of what, what other fairy tales fairy out there. Tale he would have come from. Yeah, I can't think of anything else in Avaz a talking right. donkey. So, and he was right there along with Pinocchio when they mm-hmm. when uh, Geppetto was selling. Pinocchio or turning Pinocchio in. Mm. Yeah, I think that one actually makes a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, as opposed to the next one, that Breaking Bad is a prequel to The Walking Dead. Where did they get that from? Uh, because it has something to do with the meth that he makes in Breaking Bad. The blue ice. Or... The blue. The blue. Yeah, the blue ice. I think they call it. And blue sky. And, and the like blue that. sky, and it like that was the cause for the zombie apocalypse or something. Hmm. <laughs> That's a tough sell, but it's interesting. There's more to the oh. theory than that, and I can't think of it all, but it's a it's a stretch. And the last one we have for crazy theories, I love this one. Mary Poppins is a time lord like Doctor Who. <laughs> she her umbrella actually transforms into a sonic uh, screwdriver. Yeah, her umbrellas are sonic screwdrivers. She has a companion. So it's it's uh, it's Dick Van Dyke in the original movie, Lynn Moan, Manuel Miranda in the new one. Bert. She changes her look but stays young. She uh, returns to England a lot. <laughs> she has That's these. Sure. She can fly, which is a weird power to have. Her bag is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, <laughs> which is Time Lord technology. <laughs> <laughs> This one I like a lot because I've actually read up on this theory because I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, I think it's funny. I don't think it's It's not true. Story. I mean, Mary Poppins, <laughs> Mary Poppins was a novel that was written 20 years before the first episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. If anything, Doctor Who could have, you know, could have been based on Mary Poppins. <laughs> um, but that brings us to theories that are actually true. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Blade Runner. Deckard is a replicant. Yeah. So this was confirmed. Yeah. So this is a funny one because it was confirmed by Ridley Scott, who's the director of the original film, but was denied by Harrison Ford, who starred as Deckard. <laughs> Harrison Ford really believes that Deckard was human, which shows you how much care he put into the second film, <laughs> <laughs> where he's playing the same character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> RoboCop is a Christ story. This is confirmed by director Paul Verhoeven. I find it hard to believe RoboCop could walk on water. He did. He does at the end. Yeah, yeah I think yes, he'd sink yes. to the bottom. <laughs> he walks on water at the end. You know, when they kill him, his arms are out like this. <laughs> he comes back from the dead. You know, stabs dudes in the neck with spikes, shoots people in the face. Just like Jesus. Which is just along the same lines as preaching to the people for peace. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jesus did it. He came back from the dead. He moved the rock out of the way, pulled out a shotgun, blew away to Roman shoulders. <laughs> I don't remember that. So they <laughs> That's where they got the movie. Uh, it, it, there's another movie based on that, too. It's called Hobo with a Shotgun. <laughs> Stars Rucker Hauer. <laughs> <laughs> Robocop is a Christ story. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Nicely done, sir. Nicely done. <laughs> All Tarantino films occupy the same universe. A TCU, if you please. Oi. So Tarantino, oh. him, Tarantino himself looks at it as two universes that exist in one. Because he's Tarantino and he can be fucking quirky like that. Okay. Most of his movies exist in the same universe. Like Reservoir Dogs, uh, uh, Pulp Fiction, Once Upon a mm-hmm. Time in Hollywood. They all exist in the same universe because they have characters with either the same names, like uh, Michael Madsen and Vince and and, uh, John Travolta's characters are actually brothers. Vince Vega and Vincent Vega. Vic Vega and Vincent Vega. Like they originally were going to do a movie with the two of them called the Brothers Vega. Two two actors got too old to play the part. (laughs) Um, So he looks at it as like all those movies are connected. And then movies like From Dusk Till Dawn and Kill Bill. Uh, and other ones that have like fantastical elements like that are like the movies that the people in his other universe would watch themselves. 
Mm. <laughs> he has issues. <laughs> the man who I was going to say some of them take place in the 1800s, don't they? Yeah, the so Django, you got, like, and Django so Django Unchained, <laughs> according to Quentin again, Django saves his wife from Calvin Candy, the Leonardo DiCaprio character. Uh-huh. His wife's name is uh, oh god, what the hell was the Broomhilde von Shaft? <laughs> the character's name was Broomhilde von Schaff because she was taken in by German settlers and she learned German and all that stuff. Naturally. Now Django would take her name because he didn't know what his name was. So he would take the von Schaff name. And over over years, they would get rid of the German sounding part, the von part, and just keep it as Schaft. So Django and Broomhilde are, are ancestors of Schaft. Shut your mouth. <laughs> That is a Tarantino <laughs> oh, man. approved theory. Uh, what else? <laughs> yeah, well, you got Toy Story Two. You got hate, Hateful Eight. You got uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh. Like they're all they're all oh. historical. Like those are like Inglorious Bastards, especially is historical fiction. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know because he changes the way Hitler dies at the end of the story. Toy Story 2, Andy's mom in Toy Story is Jesse's original owner, Emily. Makes sense. I don't know who mm-hmm. who I don't know who claimed that this is true, but it's under the list of true. So I'm guessing that Pixar or Disney or something admitted that that was the story. I think I, I listed it. I think it I, I've seen it somewhere, maybe a documentary or something. Yeah. It might be in that Pixar theory thing that I that I linked on the bottom there. Mm-hmm. And the last one we have, an Aladdin the genie is also the peddler who is narrating the beginning of the movie. Well, they it, made that in the live action to be true. And it's also voiced, they're both voiced by Robin Williams so it might yeah. as well be true. Yeah. <laughs> so the last one we have here is our Pixar fan theory. So I'm going to bring oh. up the website real quick. And what it does is it attaches each of these stories to each other in some like crazy way. So it all starts with Brave. Uh, Merida and Brave discovers the Will-O-The-Wisps. The magic turns her mother into a bear. The magic is why animals and inanimate objects behave like humans. Magic was utilized by a witch who mysteriously vanishes through wooden doors. Eventually the magic from the Will-O-The-Wisps would lead to the birth of superheroes like the Incredibles. (laughs) The Incredibles... Uh, their main villain in the first film is Syndrome, who uses zero-point energy. Zero-point energy would eventually be absorbed by toys, using the unseen energy to become uh, living beings, which leads to the Toy Story films. <laughs> the Toy Story films are connected to Finding Nemo. Let's see how that is. Uh, resentment towards humans, as presented in Toy Story 2, is carried over to animals as well, which leads to Finding Nemo. Animals become more curious and start carrying human, human characteristics, which leads to Ratatouille. <laughs> that was a toy, toy, such a stretch. Toy Story 3. That leads to Toy Story 3 somehow. The toys are planning on living in solitude or whatever. That leads to Up. Up uh, is where Carl is forced to leave his house and he finds an army of dogs that have been trained to, you know, hunt uh, animals and humans and stuff. And this leads to a war between animals and humans. And when the war comes to fruition, all that's left are mechanical beings like the cars. (laughs) Wow. Which leads to Wally 700 years later when the world has, you know, finally fell apart. Uh, which leads to Bugs Life, where the bugs are taking over because there's no humans to destroy them. Which leads to Monsters University. Uh, <laughs> because at this point, the humans have returned to Earth. <laughs> I'm at the end of Wally. At the end of Wally, yeah. And then the last film in the link is uh, uh, Monsters, Inc. Monsters Inc. 
monsters and machines realized their mistake of getting rid of humans. They eventually realized the humans were a source of energy and needed to sustain life. Machines helped solve that by letting monsters use doors to time and travel to the human generations. This leads us to Boo. And Boo takes us back to the beginning because the theory is that Boo is the witch that gives the will of what's power to Merida and Brave. Because <laughs> she went through a door. From a time door, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to that I say, uh, fuck no. <laughs> That's a stretch. That Very is all, a lot of stretch. I actually hurt myself stretching so much. Yeah. Um, now there are things like uh, in in Monsters Inc. There's uh, like a mobile hanging from the ceiling that has a little Nemo guy hanging off of it. And then I mean, in in um, there is there is something from another movie in like every movie. Yeah, there's something. There's one. I think it's the Emperor's New Groove where he's like putting little toys on top of each other, and one of them is the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Um, in, in, the, in uh, Finding Nemo in the dentist's office, the little boy is reading a Mr. Incredible comic book. And uh, Lilo and Stitch, there's a Dumbo on the bed. Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's things that connect all the movies that are more plausible than this list I just summarized. <laughs> they connect them, but they don't really... It doesn't mean it's the same. That's really, really stretching it. <laughs> So thank you for joining us for episode 37 of Films and Fermentation, uh, Interesting Fan Theories. Join us for our next episode, episode 38, where we will be discussing some of the most popular and craziest movie cliches that are out there based on the Attack of the Cliché film that you can find on Netflix right now. Uh, so thank you for joining us again. Make sure you drop us an email at filmsandfermentation at gmail.com. Visit us on facebook.com slash films and fermentation, Instagram at films and fermentation, or please check out our website and our new blog session, uh, section, films and fermentation.weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y.com. Uh, and don't forget to check out some of our mini pods as well. I'm Leo. I'm Kevin. I'm Mike. And thank you again for joining us at the crossroads of pickled and fermented. <music>